Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster. My name is Gaius. You're muted. And Owen's here. This yes, week. I am back. <laughs> I am back, guys. Thank you for keeping the helm strong while I was gone. Um, I appreciate you guys uh, taking control and really excited to be back and talking about some good stuff this week. So I uh, can't wait to get started. Yeah, he was in a, apparently you were in like a deep, deep, deep sleep when we tried to record last yeah, week. Yeah, when you get up at 3.30 um, and then have to do it for like two weeks straight, it's uh, sometimes it takes a toll on you. And when your phone's on silent, then you sleep until one in the morning without any interruptions. That's totally <laughs> fine. We understand. It sounds glorious, actually. Uh, yeah, we got through it. And, you know, and it's not like we're missing you this week because we did have a a uh, special episode dropped today and you're on that one so you're on the screen anniversary episode so you're still like you're gonna be on twice this week so let's it go out. it worked out and then of course uh Brittany is here as well she's not missed a day yet <laughs> i haven't used my pto yet <laughs> she even went to st louis and then use it <laughs> and then we uh we had a stranger danger voice in the crowd that you probably heard him for a second uh we were joined by our uh buddy jack because we're gonna be talking about a small independent movie that opened this weekend. This is a small little independent movie, man. Uh, that barely has any studio backing. I don't know how it made it, but it did. But yeah. <laughs> but we are, we're happy to have uh, Jack on because he uh, is a pretty big authority on comic book stuff in general and movies. So uh, we're going to be getting some of his uh, hot takes on this weekend's biggest movie. Let's go. Jack, you're officially the second guest. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. And I love this movie. So, I mean, it's a very small little movie that no one really watched yet. No, no. So yeah. It's going to be it's going to be some good hot takes going here. Yeah, I don't I don't even know how I made it. It did. It did. But before we get to uh, Spider-Man, where we... <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> we have to we have to hold off for a second and talk about uh, we were supposed to talk about the Sex and the City like sequel series and just like that. And uh, it originally kind of started as like. A, a funny story about how people were upset about how a certain character dies on the opening episode, which is still funny in itself, but now it's morphed into this really different thing because that person in question is in, in a lot of hot mess right now. So I'm going to let Brittany kind of kick off where this kind of started, what the complaints were about as far as the episode and what happened and how it happened and kind of where we're at now. Let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to touch on it. I know I'm probably the only one on this podcast right now that watched it and that's interested in it but i I think our demographic does uh (laughs) i think we do have some people that are interested in at least the politics of it so sex in the city released a new chapter on hbo max called and just like that it's kind of a spinoff it's a new series and spoiler alert they kill off big which is like a character that we everyone loves to hate Okay. He's just an asshole throughout the entire show. And his name, you said his name is Big. He's Mr. He Big. goes by. He goes by. That's like his nickname on the show. But Mr. we Big. find out, like in the last movie, that his name is actually John. Okay. Um, they say it a million times in this series, so it's like before in the show, it was kind of a secret what his actual name was. People mm-hmm. were trying to figure she out what his name number was. Number one, like throughout the entire thing, she was like, yeah. the dude that she always went back to, Mr. Big. Yeah, he's like the rich finance guy (laughs) who took advantage of her and and like he was so toxic to her and we all could see it and and everyone was fighting it, but they finally got married and he left her at the altar in the movie, but I guess it's worked out since, but uh, they show their life. They're very happy together. And there's this like air to the show where you can tell something is about to go wrong because it's Mm. like things are going so right that something is going to go wrong. So they end up killing him off. 
<laughs> yeah. Basically, especially for their off. relationship. Yeah. So they end up killing him off in a terrible way. He was on a Peloton and getting off the Peloton and has a heart attack. So there's definitely time for Carrie to call 911. She gets home and he's laying there like still alive. And it's enough time where, I mean, people have online been saying like, if she would have called 911, they would have told her how to do CPR and everything. And they could have actually saved him. So was this episode sponsored by Nordic Peloton. Oh, the competition. Peloton, you'll die. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds got wind of this whole controversy over the Peloton. So that's when he worked with his production team to get this Peloton commercial out within like 72 hours. That's where the controversy kind of lies because right now, Big's character, Chris North, Chris Chris North, the actor is now, there's quite a bit of controversy because he is getting canceled for sexual allegations. So Mm. they pulled the, they pulled the commercial from air. So it's not even on TV or online anymore, but I mean, and he's not on the show because he died. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read something to clarify what they're claiming that he did. It says uh, three different women have, accu- have accused him of either sexual assault or sexually inappropriate behavior. One woman said that he raped her in her LA apartment back in 2004. Another woman said he's guilty of sexually assaulting her back in 2015 at his New York City apartment. And then an 18 year old in 2010 claims that he tried to grope her at the restaurant that she worked at as a hostess. He, okay. <laughs> he of course is denying all this. He said that the story is a complete fabrication and the alleged accounts detailed throughout read like a piece of bad fiction. That's what he said to his rep. They must think there's some truth to what's going on because his agency, A3 artist agency drops him. There's also a series regular on the Equalizer on CBS with Queen Latifah and he just got fired from that today. Wow. So, and I, I do want to say that he is a very common name in what the entertainment knows as the blinds. I don't know if you guys have ever read the blinds. Oh, what is that? Um, Please tell they're me like, they're like anonymous submissions from people all over the world. And you can read them on Instagram or Twitter, or Reddit. People on there have been speculating for a long time that he's been a controversial person. So it was no shock yeah. to the entertainment industry that this is all coming out because it's been in the blinds. It's been submitted anonymously for a long time. I mean, if this is 2004 all the way to 2015, like the, yeah, that seems like the whole spread of that, that's a lot, like a long time for this, like a wide span of time, which means there's probably some people who haven't come forward right. or. No, yeah. people have though, anonymously on like Reddit, Twitter, like oh, all I mean, these other outlets. But anonymously doesn't really help the cause. Yeah. So yeah. My only question would be, what was the last allegation? Like what was that, 2018? Or like, I think it's, it's uh, 15, I think. I mean, so cool. like. The Sex in the City show was still prevalent even back then. Yeah, like if, you go, if you go all the way back to like 2004 when the, apparently this started, like, I mean. Yeah, like, the movies mean, have been there's, out a lot, there's a lot of in between when he wasn't like in the news that you could have just been like, you know, gotten what they, they really deserve, you know, justice. But like now a, it's just because of the timing. It's like, yeah, it's like not denying anything, but it's just like. Just yeah. because of this, this Timing is hard with now it's coming out now when you could have had, you know, 10 years when it could be like, like an easy civil suit, like quietly done the right mm-hmm. way instead of in the, the media now it is. And it's a controversy and people are questioning stuff now. Yeah. Kind of introduced. It says, 
oh, the co-stars are so saddened by this news. There's nothing that just kind of says, hey, this is kind of what's going on. It's talking about, oh, it sucks for him that this is happening. I mean, even when you're reading the article, none of them really say anything about it. It's just them trying to buff up news about this because I bet like they're all probably going to keep their mouth shut about what they actually think because they might have been harassed or anything on set for years. I thought it was weird that they released a joint statement like together. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, get, I mean, I get they're like the three, they're, they're the trio on the show, but it seemed like something that if you were going to address it, it should have been their own personal addressment of it instead of like a joint statement released to like the trades and stuff instead of like a more personal touch. It just feels like a little weird. I mean, like, especially coming from a show where like it's a, it's a show that celebrates womanhood and like, you know, and women. So I would, I would, I guess I would just expect a little bit more of a personal touch from them instead of like a blanket joint statement that was kind of short and kind of didn't really I mean it hit the notes that all those statements kind of hit I guess when this stuff happens I think you make a good point though guys with with this new chapter of the show they're very much like trying to be woke because sex in the city is controversial because they don't have any black characters they're just known for not portraying New York the way that it should have been in the 90s oh my god Um, don't even get me started on that no but before we go there but i just want to say so now this go around they're trying to do it over in a different way where there there's woke characters and there's characters that are transgender and all this stuff and meanwhile they have a character on the show that has sexual allegations so it's kind of like where do you stand on this issue i think the show needs to make a statement if anything was it mr big who had the sexual allegations in the show (laughs) no 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 that would have been no 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 like in real life should should say something to distance themselves from the mr big yeah Yeah. i don't feel like they don't have to because like it was one episode he's done he's not on it anymore they killed him off i wonder if they feel like it's kind of like well he's not a part of that world anymore do we really need to address it as a show oh i thought Brittany, what you were saying was more like they should have a character who is being accused of something, not necessarily that character. Maybe they should have some sort of Me Too statement from the show and like written into the script. Is that kind of what you were saying? I think she was making like an official statement, like the producer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. That was like, that was yeah. official statement. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like we don't condone him, and we did not plan for to but kill like, him off in the first episode too. But I but mean, like the show did Samantha so dirty because she didn't want to be on it. Samantha Kim Cattrall didn't want to be on the show. They made it sound like she left the friend group because of money issues, which in real life that does portray kind of what happened. So yeah. But like and it was such a dirty move. And now they're just letting this guy that's accused of all these sexual allegations run around freely on the show. Well I guess he's dead now, but I mean he was running around freely. <laughs> yeah well he's dead so he's six feet under in sex in the city universe. But yeah. like, speaking, of, speaking of Samantha, I would loved to have seen her and how she reacts to this new new york city like i mean i think she's doing it right by not saying anything no, i think yeah, that's exactly. the best statement she's like not even she posted a picture of her like drinking cocktails in like london and she was because, like having a day or whatever <laughs> it's because like i'm like in new york in the 90s like so desensitized it was almost like a second coming of like mad men so like i feel like the joint statement from all the three like girls who like just witnessed it they're like we witnessed it and we're just gonna go together with this and move on like the 90s new york city was crazy like there's episodes of samantha picking up the doorman in lingerie and a trench coat like <laughs> that show samantha jumping was the best this, that is like it's wild enough already yeah yeah 
It's interesting what you say about the blinds, though. I mean, like, just knowing what that is, like, if people are are sending those in, like, secretly, like, this is who this guy is, and this is what we know, that makes me wonder what people like Sarah Jessica Parker or Cynthia Nixon, do they have any idea? Are they kind of just like, um, maybe, I don't know, like, makes me wonder what people close to him in the industry knew and didn't say anything about. They're saddened by the news. I mean, I'm everyone knew about Harvey him. Weinstein and look what happened. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, you're right. A lot of big people continue to work with him. Like, going to Pouch right. right. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you're right. It, you I, guys, if you want to read the blinds, it's Dumois on Instagram. It's pretty interesting. I mean, they say a lot of things about, you can choose to believe it or choose yeah. to not, but it's just, I think it's fascinating. Some of it is pretty spot on the amount of people that are coming out and saying the same thing about the same person so it's like kind of have to believe it i think this i think actually might go back to his time on law and order too because an actress on that show after all these claims came out accused him of inappropriate behavior on set like hours after those stories went public so yeah i guess i mean it's unfortunate i just i just thought the timing was so interesting how i went from like he was going to be part of this whole like little viral ad campaign with peloton because how his character died and it was supposed to be this funny kind of thing because everyone's reaction to it. Uh, dude, the <laughs> Peloton board members are just like, Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> so perfectly. People are going back to work too and selling their Pelotons like they don't need them anymore because gyms are opening back up. And now they're like, another stab in the back. Son of a bitch. <laughs> the guy who came up with that marketing campaign like was a genius for like three days. And now he's oh, there. dude, he was. It no, was he's... Ryan Reynolds. It yeah, was like Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds production last company. Minute. He threw it together in a big way last minute. I mean, he had done something like that before. Even well, he with saved the money from the mint commercials. Yeah. yeah, he did Deadpool. He did a Deadpool Peloton commercial. Yeah, so he worked quick and he probably and he probably has said, no, he's like, I'm not going to even comment. I'm just going to just sneak away and go <laughs> hang out with my wife. It's like, what, what commercial? <laughs> like, what commercial? I don't remember it. They uh, yanked uh, that off the air so fast. The they were like, gin commercial? it doesn't even exist. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I mean, but we should point out that he hasn't been charged with anything and he is denying it through his reps, like, you know, they always do. So, uh, until proven guilty and a court of law. But, like, you know, when, I, when he started losing jobs, like, left and right, I was like, yeah, maybe he is canceled now because the Equalizer one was the big one. They said, like, moving forward, he will no longer be a part of the show. He has, like, one original episode left that they already taped, so they can't, like, do anything about that. But they'd be one of their most watched shows, though. I mean, it's, on, it's, watched shows. it's on CBS. I mean, my mom likes it. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't so watch it. <laughs> is it. Is it at this point where I'm wondering now, like with whole cancel culture and everything, this is a perfect point is that allegations can get you fired and will get you fired. But do you guys think that it's mostly it's got to basically be like a joined effort of multiple allegations it's because you never hear like an allegation was said against him and now he's being fired it's always well there are multiple allegations that are being i'll I'll just say this if it happened once it's happened multiple times it's never a freak accident with this type of stuff like Mm -hmm. yeah once a creep always a creep yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah and, I, and I don't want to deep dive into creepiness in Hollywood because we can do it a whole episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we, we talked have, about it a yeah. bit last week with like Anzal Elba talking about uh, West Side Story, and like you know, he managed to kind of like he was accused of things, but he managed to kind of get around it a little bit because there was like the gap in between the movie coming out and that it got delayed a year because of COVID. So Anzal Elgort kind of maneuvered his way out of that a bit but there are some people that even think now that's part, part of the reason why the movie didn't do that well because some people were like you know the internet doesn't forget like we heard what you did and you need to be called out for it it's interesting how that this movie happened, like I, like when you start losing your jobs left and right it just makes me think that like they are like we believe this to be true like we don't think it's like a coincidence like there's no like some people think that you should wait and see how it plays out but like 
some of these shows have to protect themselves. Like the other agencies have to protect themselves. And yep. it becomes problematic having someone like him be associated. So I, I get it. Yeah. And I'll just yeah. say one more thing about this. I've I've been a part of a sexual allegation. It didn't end up in my favor. I was fired from the set because of me stepping up. And one day I'll tell the story. I think I've told you guys off air this full story before, but it didn't end up working out in my favor. And this was in 2014, I think, 2015, maybe. That wasn't that long ago. So if these girls had these sexual allegations, <clears throat> maybe they were scared. I mean, that's a lot of the... A lot of the Harvey Weinstein stuff was because they were scared to come forward. They were going to lose their jobs. And right. I did. So yeah, 100%. it's like one day I'll tell the full story on yeah. the podcast, but it's too long to get into right yeah. now. But that's the thing that people always say, right? When these stories come out, the first thing you hear from someone is like, what took them so long? And like this happened all the way in like 2004 and 10 and 15. Like, why are they doing this now? But like you said, there's a lot of reasons this why. Guy tried to blackball me from working ever again i really thought i wasn't going to be able to find a job ever again in the industry because that's, of this that's why they never came forward because mm-hmm. once you lose one job no one's going to hire you again sometimes i think yeah. if some people luckily are, i had proof some people yeah. are so cynical sometimes too because they're like well if one person tells a story i bet you so-and-so just piggybacking off that story like no it just sometimes it takes one person being brave enough to do it and then that other person feels like they can now talk about it so that's i movement started like I said, with him losing his jobs and all that stuff left and right, I think that the, a lot of people feel like there's some truth to what he's being accused of. So, Yeah, I, but I just don't feel bad for the dude sitting on royalties from Sex and the City, one of the most popular shows of all time. So, um, yeah. Boo-hoo. Um, stop touching people. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, he'll still be okay. He just won't, you know. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, we won't see your 60-year-old ass on TV anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There was a scene. I just want to say one more thing about, and just like that. All right, one more thing. And this is about the show. This isn't about like sexual allegation stuff, but this is another cringy moment from the show. That is a reason. I don't know if I want to keep watching it, but there was a scene when Sarah Jessica Parker, when Carrie asked big to like jerk off in front of her. And it was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Now now when you say that, I mean, I don't want to watch the whole show, nor do I want to go to the exact scene out of context, but It was a question. It was a questionable moment for everyone involved. Did Louis C.K. write that episode? <laughs> well, they're always trying to push. Them off Maybe. Right. Hey, man. I mean, hey, it's 2021. Out of you, you have no idea what Mr. Big and Carrie were into from. Yeah. There's a guy. No idea. They're trying to spice it up. Trying to spice it up. But anyway, Spider-Man. So anyway, <laughs> moving on. Anyway, as we're talking about jerking off. <laughs> Sex in the City and someone that everyone loves. Uh, Spider-Man opened over the weekend. I know myself and, well, the guy saw it. Uh, Brittany has not seen it yet. <laughs> For the record, I do want to see it, but I'm going to allow spoilers in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I know I didn't see it. Like I was, my I didn't do the homework this weekend. So I apologize. Hey, it's all right. I, I will say I'm not a big person on hating on spoilers. Like I was at the bar on Thursday and I just really needed to know one thing. And mm-hmm. they told me, I was like, it didn't ruin it for me. Yeah. And they told me that Murdoch was in it. I was like, all right, cool, fine. I found I couldn't talk about the things I liked. This about. is a spoiler episode, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. By big spoiler. Spoilers <laughs> alert ahead, guys. If you're yeah, listening, right, you haven't seen it and you want to be surprised. Yeah. Do not listen. Well, um, I do want to talk about, you know, and Brittany, you can chime in on this too, like what it's box office too, like to start what that kind of means for the industry right now and how big 
this actually is, even with uh, the pandemic, people saying people aren't going to the movies. Well, Spider-Man opened to, it originally said $253 million over the weekend. It was the third biggest opening ever behind uh, Endgame and Infinity War. And then they released the actuals today, and it actually went up to $260 million domestic, and it's now the second biggest opening ever. And it globally, it uh, grossed $600.8 million in its first weekend. It only trails globally. It trails Endgame, which opened to $1.2 billion uh, globally when it opened. And, and uh, might I add you, that movie had 20 years of, of uh, 20 movies of backup to it. Yeah, like th- there is an excuse for Endgame to have all that pent up. Yeah. Like, you know, everyone wants to see it. I'm kind of curious. Uh, once we talk about like what we liked about it and everything, like I also would like to know what you think made this kind of work with the masses and why like, you think it became such a big deal this weekend and probably why it will remain a big deal throughout December and longer. I, I don't think it has any, the Matrix might be its own competition, but I don't think it's, I think Spider-Man is just going to be the movie to see during the rest of the holiday season for a lot of people with people going back multiple times to see it again, I think, because it seems like mm. everyone loves it. Yeah, my brother's already seen it twice. Oh my, seriously? Yeah, and just to like kind of discuss like the word of mouth, it has a 99% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, its critic score is 94%. Uh, it has that. It has an A. All of these are deserved, by the way. All every single one of these freaking things is deserved. Like yeah, and I think it's I am super high too. Executed. Feige uh, put his whole entire arm on the table and was like, "I'm giving you guys the Spider-Man story for the past two decades that you're gonna love." Yeah. Here you go. Yeah, I, I wonder perfectly. if he wants to take more, more credit. Is it him or is Sony going to try like, well, we were there too. Like, <laughs> like we're, we're involved as well. <laughs> I, I, I they gave up the thing. money for it and that's they, about they, it. They, 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 yeah. I mean, their, their original strategy when they first bought the, the IPs, they said, I want Spider-Man and X-Men. That's it. Those are the money makers and proof is in the pudding right there. You were wrong. They're not, they're, they weren't wrong. They just weren't completely right. They should have just taken all of Marvel, but that's neither here nor there now. Yeah. yeah. But like, it wouldn't have been the same though. Wouldn't no, it wouldn't have. But it's it still just the movie was perfect it, from everything from the beginning, how you literally ended from far from, far from home. home into this. It's perfect. There was no seamlessly starting it off. Yeah, I agree. I was surprised by how much I loved it. I mean, there was like, of course, there's a lot of fan service and stuff in it, which I, I mean, but it, it ends up being like this really cool celebration of like the whole franchise, like not just like mm-hmm. you, Spider Man, but like you know, starting with Sam Raimi's original trilogy and then even the two amazing Spider-Man movies, like, it basically kind of tries to oh. say, like, there's something to love about all of those, and, like, we want to celebrate that, while also letting Tom Holland kind of really grow into that part now. Like, I think he, in my opinion, fully, like, owns that role now, but that's just my opinion, uh, compared to yeah. the other two. Um, but I think it took this kind of movie where he's forced to really grow up and kind of really face something like really major for this to kind of happen. And that's what I kind of enjoyed about it overall, as far as like, you know, how it worked on an emotional level. It was just satisfying, like the entire thing. Yeah, I, I think pointing out the differences in each of them, but also highlighting their similarities was done so well. Because, I mean, obviously each Spider-Man movie is like, I guess you could say franchise is different with the trilogy now, Tobey Maguire's and then Andrew Garfield's, but the fact that they kept the similarities and that that's a credit to whoever uh, was directing all three of them. John Watts, baby. Um, yeah. It's just Watts, like, man, he came through, came through. Yeah. I, I, but I also tried to think like the director of each of Andrew Garfield's and the director of Tobey Maguire's, they decided to keep the heart of that Spider-Man character and they created like exactly what they wanted to do. And so even though they were different, 
they still all had the heart of Spider-Man and you could all kind of tell. And even though necessarily like different characters have different actors have played them, when you saw all of them together, it really just made your heart just kind of skip and jump. And you're like, oh my gosh, like they're all the same. And I loved all those movies and now they're all together. And I love this movie now. Yeah. See, for me, the three Spider-Men, they all kind of, and every, like Gaze, you said, it kind of wrapped up Tom, like he's really the first, he's the real Spider-Man who's going to grow into being this adult who is Spider-Man superhero. Toby kind of finally got to be the mentor that he never got with anyone in his trilogies. He got to be the, you know, the father. And then Andrew just finally got to do, basically, this was his third movie, in my opinion. Like this, he killed it, man. Like he deserves... I've seen stuff on like Reddit's like put Venom and and Andrew Garfield in a universe and let them have fun like that yeah. they fit so perfectly together and I mean Gates do you know why they never made a third of Garfield because I can't remember why but like there was um wasn't what like so the second the Amazing Spider-Man two wasn't well received it got bad reviews it made a decent amount of money globally but it topped out at like two hundred million here and that was deemed kind of a failure because that was pretty much its budget yeah I mean it made global. Holy 750. Yeah, so it was like, it was supposed to, and they were also planning to do all this stuff with Sony, like the Sony stuff. They were going to do like a Sinister Six thing, and then the yeah. Spider-Man 3. They had all these ideas, and then they were like, no, no one really liked the movie, so we need to kind of, and, and and to his credit, Andrew Garfield loves that character. He really grew up wanting to play Spider-Man. He was mm-hmm. kind of heartbroken that he didn't really get to see a third one out, or didn't, or the second one didn't really work the way it, it didn't land the right way it should have but right. like they were trying to do too much of it. they were trying too much they were like stuffing a lot into it uh because you know it, somebody got greedy and they were like let's just throw in the entire like kitchen sink and see what works he and, didn't get yeah. any closure yeah and i think that's what the cool thing about this for him is that i thought it was good, a good redemption thing for his spider-man it was like okay like we did a poll on joe blow about who is the best spider-man Tom mcguire is winning that poll but other than Tom Holland, I've always thought Andrew Garfield was a better Spider-Man than. Well, there's only three. Hey, from Toby. So you're rank, you're ranking Tom, Andrew, Toby. Yeah. Okay. So I like I like, and I kind of felt that more watching it. I think Andrew Garfield nails the humor really well. Like even like in this one, I felt it especially that yeah he under he understands the assignment as they say, and he, he's really I mean he really kind of gets the banter. I know some people complain in his movies that his Peter Parker wasn't nerdy enough. Like he was like too cool and like more like emo than like than like uh nerdy but like you know it was just like a different take on it i always thought he was really good he was just like the victim of uh like the amazing spider-man's fine i actually like that one but the second one got a bad rap and i think he got wrapped up in that bad rap even though he was good in it and the writing for this one mentions all of that when they're like talking amongst each other. It's right. like he's like, "Wait, do you guys, you guys fought awesome characters? I put a Russian in a rhinoceros yep, exactly. for a minute. We didn't even get to see it. He doesn't even like. There's he. he they clearly mentioned like I didn't even get a third movie, but he, they, they without saying it, they they said I didn't get a third movie. What, I'm wondering, third movie. what I'm wondering is, is in the comics, I didn't read all the spider-man comics growing up but like i mean the reason that i like toby mcguire is because he's not traditionally like attractive and so he kind of plays that sort of nerdy like pause all i'm saying is pause. that you got you got andrew garfield and tom holland who were like uh good looking dudes and they are supposed to play like this sort of inconspicuous like nerd who never no one ever looks at and then you got toby who's like this the way he plays that character it's like i can totally understand why people weren't looking at him and like they were totally not suspicious of him at all but these other two i feel like i'm like yo 
they're obviously not who they say they are. But they all dated their female counterparts. In real life. You yeah. guys noticed oh, that? Yeah, they did. yeah, they have. It's Spider-Man. Just, just my own they, little interesting dude, tidbit. It's something about the upside-down kiss. Yeah, got to be. I'll do it. Tom we'll Holland do hasn't it. done one yet. No, he hasn't done one, huh? He no, he hasn't done one. He hasn't done one. No. Um, speaking on MJ, I would say she did really well. It, um, Zidane, I don't know how to say her name really. I just say Zendaya. I think I've been trying to go. I'm going through this. Zendaya, Zendaya. Zendaya, Zendaya. So I'm going to go with Z. Um, she did phenomenal. Um, she held her own, like you said. She understood her assignment like very well. Yeah, I thought she was great too. Um, I I was talking to someone else about this. Like she's really good because like I've seen her in other stuff where she comes off older than her age. Like she's really good at kind of like playing these roles where she can seem older than she is and then also kind of doubt like there's moments where she feels like a genuine like 17 year old in the movie like Wait, especially like some of the the end where like they have to say like you know goodbye to each other and all that like yeah. i thought she handled that especially well and i honestly think the movie works i'm gonna throw in ned too the movie works well because oh, yeah. those characters are so defined at this point and like and john watts understands those characters and he makes you like feel for all three of them as a unit and then yeah so yeah. that's why like, the movie works Ned, that is absolutely classic but he's just <laughs> sitting in all three of them and he's just like so you got a Ned? <laughs> yeah i did died in my arms after you tried to kill me <laughs> and you think garfield behind him was like i know say man yeah so um hobgoblin yeah uh, that's one of my wishes i uh i think that they finally did zendaya justice with the writing i think the first two she didn't really get a chance to i know they were introducing her character as like the new mj but gaius knows this i didn't think that it worked in, in the first couple i think that her character was very like they didn't write her well enough for her to act like all the way to the top and for her to show her true ability. But this one, for sure, they actually helped her out a lot. Finally, with the writing, because Gaius knows uh, <laughs> Zendaya is not my uh, number one fan. Well, so feels, I, I think she finally did a good job. <laughs> well, you, well, you have to understand the context of, of their relationship. Like, mm-hmm. of the, like, not like their legitimate, like, time lapse of relationship. Peter gets bit, like, sophomore year of high school. And then they go on a trip. And then the next thing you see is that they're finally together. So this one, finally, she knows Peter. She knows, like, when yeah. he, when she turns to Doc Ock, she's like, because that's what he does. Like, yeah. that's what, she, like, that, the, the relationship was just, like, flirty up for this one. But this one's the, what you're yeah. like, that real one that and we always had, like, know. She had, like, minimal screen time in Homecoming, right? I mean, she didn't really have, like, a ton of screen Oh, time. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could tell they were setting her up for, like, being, like, the girlfriend. But she didn't really have a lot to do in Homecoming. And I think in Far From Home, she does have a lot to do. But I I mean, I always talk about this before. Like, he doesn't really like the, I'll try the best way to describe it. Her, I actually love her delivery and stuff. Like, you know, the whole, like, I really don't care about things, but I do. That kind of, like, thing that she has going on. But I I like how they made it pretty. They managed to make a good combination of that in this, where she was actually growing as a character, too. But she is caring about things. She cares about him. She cares about her friendships with, you know, the trio and all that and and she's also like you know i i thought it was interesting too that she is like just fiercely dedicated like she's never there's never once where she's like wavering like we can't do this or i don't have your back and the same thing with ned like there's no like moment of like i don't think we can do this it, this whole like the unit that they have where they're like no this is what we do we plan it out we'll we'll figure it out let's do this that goes all the way until the end of the movie until they're like well there's no more planning there's nothing else we can do except for this one thing 
and you're not going to like it, but this is the only thing we can do. And, and it's different too, because we didn't have that. Spider-Man doesn't have any friends in the first five movies. Yeah, that's true, right? He doesn't. He, he has zero friends. Yeah, he has Aunt, in, in, in the first, in the first one, he has Aunt May and his uh, annoying Aaron. landlord and his daughter across the hallway who bakes some cookies. The daughter that's like super into him, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like when in, in Spider-Man Three, when he's like, at least in the movies, Harry Osborn was barely his friend because he still like he was still kind of taking advantage of him. Like, oh, Peter, you're smart. <laughs> like, can you do this for me? Like, their their friendship wasn't really like well established in the first one. And then by the time you get to the second one, I, oh wait, hold on, is hold on. what the, what's what? Who was Harry Osborn in the first one? James Franco. What's his name? Yeah, James Franco. Played James in. Franco. Yeah, like I, I like their relationship, but the next one when he was, it was a little weirder when he yeah. we were talking like super emo, goth, um, played by that that dude I can't forget his name. Yeah. So like it, yeah, uh, it's interesting though because like yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that that he really he doesn't really have a ton of friends and he ends up in his respective movies he ends up dating beautiful girls. He ends up with Gwen Stacy even though he has no real social life, and then uh, and then Tom McGuire ends up with MJ. To be fair, though, their relationship is very, like, trouble, right? By the time you get to Spider-Man 3, they're, they're not exactly, like, in the best place as far as, like, him balancing being Spider-Man. And, and Toby? We're talking, yeah, talking Toby, right? Toby, uh, yeah, trying to maintain the relationship with her. No, yeah, and again, credit to the fucking writers. They wrapped it up. He, mm-hmm. they, he, looked, at, he looked at Andrew and was like, yeah, we, well, we figured it out, kind of. Yeah, it's, it's working, so... That sewed it up for my 15-year-old heart, finally, knowing that Mary Jane Watson, let me say that again for all the listeners, Mary Jane Watson, all right? <laughs> Mary Jane Watson, um, that they're married. It's great. I love that. And then yeah, um, it's great. I mean, Gwen Stacy, again, we didn't get a third, so we don't really know how that kind of whole turns out. But There's a whole dog, like, by the way. I think <laughs> that Toby was saying that there might be an MJ out in Andrew's universe that he has yet to find. Which I also thought was mind his writing. Is um, Gwen Stacy in the comic books? Gwen yeah. Stacy. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's either Spider Woman, uh, depending on the universe. In into the Spider Verse, she is Spider Woman. In Spider Man, the Amazing Spider Man series, she's just uh, the MJ. Yeah. Because so like in like in the comic books, like she um, it's actually one of the better written stories in the comics where she she's like his first real like like important girlfriend. And then the Green Goblin finds out who mm-hmm. he is, like who he's, he's really Peter Parker. And of course, still all those lives kind of collide because now that he knows who he is, he can go after people that he loves, basically. And um, he ends up, uh, I think in the comic books, he's like on the glider and he like throws her down. Yeah. And, and then Peter- it's, it's, are, it's, it's a pretty brutal like 80s, yeah, like just- And, and Spider-Man has, tries to catch her with a web and he does catch her, but it like snaps her, uh, her neck or something and she dies. Yeah. yeah, so they re- kind of redo that in the Amazing Spider-Man 2. She falls all the way down, and he catches her with a web, and she basically just, like, snaps like that. By the way, for a movie that's, like, all over the place and, like, it has its issues, that stuff works. I mean, like, I thought that all that was pretty good in the Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I'm glad that he got his redemption moment with that, too. He got to save the girl. Well, yeah, let's say let's save the final scene for the like, for the like, for the app yeah, yeah. before we get to that because did you, did you like how they introduced him? I thought I liked how it wasn't like we got to talk about the spell first. Like we're, oh, we oh yeah, we got yeah. we got to talk about how they all got there. Yeah, first. Got there. I yeah. <laughs> One Doctor Strange, awesome. Like very perfectly was in there. Like not too much, not too little. Like it wasn't like a Tony Stark. Like I'm gonna be in it for five minutes. Yeah. He was there. He was part of the thing. Yeah, but he's hilarious. He's like you didn't ask the. The MIT admissions 
if you could, you know, convince them. Yeah. No, no. Well, I love that because no high schooler would think that. They're like, oh, I got denied. I'm never going to call. But he's not a high schooler. He's freaking Peter Parker. He's been to space. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I'm trying to put it in, in the perspective of his character where it's oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. But like, that. He, he should know. He should know that, like, he can call, like, anybody because he's Peter Parker, dude. But yeah, yeah it, 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 as Dr. Strange says, like, I sometimes forget. That you're actually only about 17 and a half years old. Yeah. So I forgive you. No, yeah. I think that the spell, the whole way that it was introduced, it came a lot quicker than I thought. I, I mean, it was pretty much like immediate. And so I was a little surprised by that. I thought there was going to be a lot more buildup to sort of this like quantum, not quantum, that's a whole different Marvel thing, this <laughs> multiverse sort of explosion. And so that happening so quickly, I was actually a little bit intrigued by that. I thought that it was going to be a little bit more of a buildup, but it left it enough time for us to develop the villains. And that's what I loved was because it actually gave the villains more screen time. It gave the more Peter Parker's more screen time. And because my worst fear was that everything was going to be in it, but they were going to get whatever a shout out and they were going to show up and then kind of be like, Hey, I'm here. The last 20 minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they were in it for a long time. And so the fact that they kind of got right to it was definitely a breath of fresh air. And they didn't waste time with it too. They didn't like portal, portal, portal. It's like the two ones we wanted to see the first Sandman like shows up randomly. Jamie Foxx has this thing. Lizard, like it was already caught. Like, yeah. we're great. Cool. Awesome. Sweet. Lizard don't need to deal with him. But uh, I think Doc Ock, or how would you rank the villains now in their return? Like, Jamie Foxx is pretty good, but, like, I think... I actually like Willem think... Dafoe the most out of the villains. I mean, only because, I think only because uh, he had, there was more conflict involved with Willem Dafoe and his Green Goblin. He, like, kind of, like, affected the story a bit more. Um, so I would rank him first of the people that came back, and then... Are you talking about, like, your favorite ones of the movie? Or yeah, the in the movie, like, like, yeah, as far as... Movie, like, like, how they came back, like, how, how they were written. Back, what they you, could, the... you could really majorly flop, like, bringing back, like, nostalgic characters like that. Yeah. I, I was I reminded mean, by how scary scary William DeVoe is. William DeVoe can be so scary. There's certain times in that movie where I was like, this guy, like, is on a whole different level. I don't, like, Tom Holland talked about how, like, the most intense scenes that he did were, like, the scenes that he had to do, like, kind of one-on-one with, like, William DeVoe, like, when they're fighting or, like, being like antagonistic toward each other because he said that Willem Dafoe just like brings it every single time like it's just like and he can cut it off he said when they're done and they're cut he's like they're laughing but like he was like he was like I was actually like scared <laughs> through certain moments because like that's because he's, he's a British trained actor they're not those psychos who do uh method acting can't turn it off like no, you know, they're normal people they're <laughs> acting for a reason I would say going but I like Doc Ock better because the last thing he says is, I will not die a monster in his trilogy. And in this one, he comes full circle. And again, it, it sealed my 15-year-old, like, fate hard up again. So I, I think I'm just real nostalgic towards Tobey Maguire, that universe right now. But I think Doc Ock, then Green Goblin, because that dude was a savage. Like, mm-hmm. absolute savage. And they just kind of missed... I just wish they had that little part where, like, instead of him going to see Aunt May... They, we could see like him concocting that plan in his head a little bit, like to see it. So I would have wished we could have seen that, but you know, you can't so much time in the movie. And then Jamie Foxx and the lizard, you know, yeah, did justice, got their justice, but you know, that really Brittany, wasn't about them. Brittany, what did you think of? Um, Ellen Sandman last. Doc he was confusing as hell. Yeah. I was going to say, Brittany, what did you think of Doc Ock and the Green Goblin in like the original 
Spider-Man trilogy. I mean, William Defoe, I agree, is a terrifying actor <laughs> in general yeah. um, in anything he does. And I did see a clip. I think it was recently about his teeth, like the teeth thing, mm-hmm. where he like mm-hmm. changed his teeth in the movie or something. Make oh, yeah. Good. Uh, yeah like they made him look scarier when he was the villain versus his like real teeth i mean i think he's a great actor in general but yeah yeah, it's been a while since i've seen those movies so i'm curious to see this new spider-man just going in with i mean these are villains from way in the past Mm -hmm. so that's interesting that was my favorite scene probably maybe in the entire movie that was not action related was when tom holland realizes that Green Goblin is Green Goblin oh, and no longer Harry Osborn. Oh, that yeah. scene was, it was like, so I mean, what year did those movies come out? What year were Tobey Maguire? That was early two thousands. That was so, like we were was, kids. That yeah, that was I was seven years old, I think, when the first one came out. Well, it was not. And I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, two thousand two. Two thousand two was when the first one came out. Okay, I was ten. Yeah, I, I was. I just graduated high school. I was, I was older than the rest of the time. I was what? I was six. Six. <laughs> six, yeah. How good? Like, see, like, the writing is gone generate. Like, this writing, this movie specifically has, like, literally fan-serviced everyone of all decades. And that speaks to the box office, dude. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. think that the reason it makes so much money is because, I mean, you put a movie out like Nightmare Alley and you're, it's going to go seen <laughs> by a lot of adults. And yeah. it's not going to go to, I mean, kids are going to go and see it. So, I mean, if you put a movie out like this, every single person, their kids, their grandparents, they're going to like it and they're going to go and see it and anyone can enjoy it. And it's, it is family fun. It's got some cool action in it, but not aggressive gore that's going to scare anyone away. So, I mean, that's going to be a tribute to why it's making so much money is because it speaks to seriously every single person that enjoys hero story. Yeah, like think about it, like a person who made bad life decisions and had a kid at 28. He's got to, you know, take these kids to somewhere to the, you know, to the movie theater. This is perfect because it, it services everyone. Yeah. And his Spider-Man, both of yours, it's awesome. Yeah. Generational. Yeah. I think mean, that's the that's the kind of thing I noticed while when I saw it, it was a packed theater and it was like, I mean, there were older people there. They're in their 20s. And there were a bunch of kids. So there was like a lot of like, it is a very generational franchise. And, and he's also a popular character in general. So, I mean, I can see why like it's doing as well as it, as it did. And credit to the marketing because like they gave you a little bit of time and they tried their best not to reveal all their secrets, even though there were leaks and stuff. They were like, oh no, like that's not true. They had Andrew Garfield lying like all fall when he's getting interviewed about his other movies. Like, I'm not in it. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's the thing <laughs> that I'll say that while I was watching it left me a little bit frustrated because seriously everything that we have talked about on this podcast before about spider-man anything that people have found in youtube videos pretty much every sort of surprise that could have happened it happened and so that's what kind of left me a little bit like a little bit of a i wouldn't say bad taste in my mouth but when something happened i was like yep i knew that already i knew that was gonna happen or oh they all came back yes i knew that the daredevil thing that surprised me and the one thing, the biggest surprise out of it all was Ned being a sorcerer. That was the thing that I was so happy about because I did not expect it. Okay, I think I think the Ned thing was the sorcerer. Like anyone puts on the ring, you can do it. And like, no, but I, you have to have the power. I don't. I really mind. don't think that Ned's going into the dark, uh, into the mystical arts. I, mean, I, hope I really so. don't I think. Hope I'm just. <laughs> I mean, do you understand? I don't think the MCU could could handle the power duo of Wong and Ned. 
and Jacob Benoit. <laughs> you cannot stop that power duo. All that power. Could you imagine them going back to the Shang-Chi fighting ring and then being the tag teaming? Oh, God. Unreal. <laughs> no, Unreal. You know, I, I agree. You think with- it's... Oh, go, go ahead, Brittany. I was just going to say, I think the Marvel and DC universe, and I guess you can rope Star Wars into this too, <laughs> but like these fans... I mean, you guys included get so overhyped about these movies and then you spoil it for yourself because you like can't yeah, hand, it. Up, hand up, hand up, hand up. I know. Yes, I don't want to know anything if you go on Twitter. Like, maybe up. I just want to know this. <laughs> it's so bad. I am so guilty of that. It is unbelievable. I'm pretty sure I know the plot to the Batman before it's come out already. Like, like why I'm... can't you just wait till it comes out and just well, watch it and just be like the news? surprised? <laughs> The news is so depressing. I, yeah, I'm okay. I'll say this. I'm like I said in the beginning. Like I'm not really that annoyed by spoilers because it's the like I the nature of, the piece of what of what we all well, we all do is we love this information. Like we want to see how the movie's progressing because like we've been with Spider Man for 20 years. I really want to see them do well with it. And like fans like the Snyder Cut. Like the fans can really make stuff move. I don't, I guarantee you that it, when they did Spider-Man three, when they first sat down to write it, that they were not going to bring, they, they had no intention of bringing back Toby and Andrew until like someone said it sparked it, it caught fire. And they're like, well, yeah, you can do that. You, you know what I will attribute that to, which sounds crazy, but what I will attribute that to is when the original commercial came out for Sonic and people threw a hissy fit and they were like, absolutely not. We will not yeah. go through this movie. Oh, then yeah. they, cha- they literally changed the whole thing. They literally and had to it, change the whole thing. And then, yeah, they, and then it did, and then it did amazing. And now it's got a sequel. That was a video, so I, that was I think a video that, like, Yeah, and so I think like, and now it's got a sequel and it's going to, and it did great the, um, the first one. And so. Dude, that's they, stacked. They, that cast is stacked. They've basically taken fans incorporation into like, what do you really want to see? Because, yeah. the, I mean, they're not like these people sitting in a boardroom writing the story and selling this pitch. Like they're not going to, like make $600 million unless people really want to go see it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I hate to compare this again to bring up sex in the city, but it is comparable to the audience of the female version of sex. Like people were wanting to see certain things and not wanting to see certain things for the sex in the city reboot. People are very unhappy with how everything's yeah. played out. So Game of Thrones, I get it. One. Yeah, you're right. Game of, Thrones, Game of Thrones. Another one. I didn't even yeah. watch it. And and then, I- yeah. Star Wars too. I feel like Star Wars fans, like, they have it in their head what they want, and when they don't get it, they get very upset. Star Wars fans don't like anything. I will. Yeah, the Star Wars fans don't like anything. Star Wars fans, and I've said this to you on the uh, in person case. Star Wars fans can't bitch about something being bad because there's no source material that like predates the movies that they're made. Like George Lucas made this movie back in the day, and they built that universe on it. So you can make up any language, you can make up anything. There's well, also like, thousands of fan fiction books that have been created and like yeah, like after that, and created like, TV shows and like there's literally no backstory for any of it. And so they love the first two original stories and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like okay, fine, but that's why they can keep pumping out Disney Pluses, which I can't wait for either. But I digress. I want to yeah. I want to piggyback on something that you said earlier, Jack. Because someone on comicbook.com said that they don't think that this original idea for the third one really had the idea of bringing back Tom McGuire and Andrew Garfield. They think that kind of got sparked somewhere down the line, but not in the beginning. They don't really think that's where it was going to go. And once they realized they could make it work, yeah, uh, 
they, I mean, they had a lot of faith in John Watts. And I think it's probably why he ended up getting like Fantastic Four too, because he's going to do that for the MCU as well. Good. Uh, yeah, good. Okay. So he like, Again? had a lot of faith in what he could do. And then it was like, okay, how can we secure all these people? But like, I mean, I, I'll give them credit for, for the most part, they kept getting them all a secret because I didn't really like, I mean, there was, it was floating around, but like the fact that they were going there to like shoot and all this stuff, like they were able to kind of keep it a secret for a little bit until it's just hard to contain all that. I mean, there's a bunch of big stars on one set and I know they have strict rules for not leaking stuff, but someone's bound to do it. Uh, like, I mean, they were doing it this week. They were doing it over the weekend. People were leaking scenes of it on YouTube. Like, like oh, it's already online. Movie on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, Something it hits one theater, it's online. Well, well yeah, it's what I love. It's what I love about the internet too. It's like if I really, really need to watch it again. But James, please tell me that Miles Teller has signed on for this next Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah. you, want, you want some Miles Teller redemption? <laughs> oh, Absolutely not. Why is there going to be another Fantastic Four? Everyone loves the Fantastic Four, and you movies sucked. <laughs> no, oh, hold, 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 hold. Are, you, are, are you saying that the the original one with, with Je- jessica alba were not good no but the last one bombed okay well that one was god with awful Je- with jennifer lawrence she's- uh, no. oh, don't even get me started please Wait, she's in there? i'm just no, saying it bombed and they're allowed this is what we're, we've been talking about in this podcast is that movies like this can get remade with like no like it doesn't matter these movies can get remade but like ghostbusters after they've made a female version they're like no never again unless it's back to a male cast and like now here we are a fantastic four go around again you can switch all the genders so the guy is the invisible one and oh, no, invisible no. One. oh no oh no <laughs> you really want to see a fan a fan movement you you switch the genders of the fantastic four oh. see what happens um, they actually do that in the first one. They change, they switch powers with the Civil Surfer and all that crap. Right. Oh, that's right. Wait, no, the first one was just Doctor Doom. No, the second one, I mean, Silver Surfer. Yeah, I didn't. Right. Think I that remember really back, conversation. To, back to Spider Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> put us in a room together. And start doing weird stuff. Yeah, I was. I, and I was also very happy with. I, it paid off in a lot of ways, really emotionally too. Like I wasn't. Cause like I read some reviews where people were like, oh, like it made me cry. I did this, and I was like, well, whatever. I mean, it's not in game. Calm down, guys. Um, but then they, there were a lot of big emotional payoffs in it. Like I was, I wasn't expecting. I mean, I guess he had to lose someone. I just wasn't expecting to be like Aunt May. I guess. Hey, dies, guys. And uh, and uh, <laughs> and I should because <laughs> they gave Marissa Tomei much more screen time in this movie than they did in the first two. I was like she's in it a lot. They're trying to make us like remember who she is and why we care about her. Well, people like people don't know who she is because it's Marissa Tomei. But the second that she said "with great power," I was like, "She dead." Oh, she's she dead. dead. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, uh, I'll speak of the two emotional parts that I really thought were like really moving. Was this May die? Like that's just that's terrible because he had to leave. He was literally getting shot at, and he had to. He got leave. shot. I was I yeah. in the theater. Oh, I was like, oh, me. yeah, he shit. got he literally got shot, so yeah. he had to leave. Yeah. yeah. So he couldn't like mm, that sucked. But that also wants me. I really do want to know what the hell happened to Ben. I mean, oh. really want to know what happened to Ben. Oh, and uh, Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah, still on. I still, I still love the uh, the classic one. Um, <laughs> and then the when he's beating the crap out of William Defoe on the shield. Yeah, okay. that might have been top five comic book scenes for me. Like up there with uh, with Superman first flight and uh, the warehouse scenes like of Batman. Like those were some there were some punches thrown, bro. Yeah. And, that was all that rage, man. 
hurt you felt at all in that, in no, that and then Toby McGuire stopped him with just like the death stare he's like don't do this don't and do this <laughs> yeah and this is Toby's just full circle again like he stopped him from being a killer like when it, it didn't like he said it didn't help that the guy that killed Ben died like didn't didn't get me what I wanted I I love the I love the humor that Marvel's able to add into it where Andrew Garfield just goes hey like are you okay and Toby says well, I, mean, I just got stabbed in the heart, yeah. so um, I hurt. It hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah, they were able to throw in a lot of humor, even though, like, and the humor actually worked. Because sometimes the Marvel humor like, people complain about, yeah, it's bad sometimes. Yeah. But I actually thought it actually worked. Like when he was talking about like the Avengers, and they were like, "Well, what's the Avengers?" Oh, like, that was funny. Like, and they're like, "Because <laughs> the Avengers don't exist in their in their universe at all. They never." Are you in a band? So yeah, I thought that was really funny. And like I said, I also loved, like, they all kind of had their own, their redemption. Like, Tobey Maguire got to stop him from doing something that, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily get to do in his movies. Andrew Garfield got to save the girl, but he couldn't save his girlfriend in his movie. There is, a, it's funny because it's trending on Twitter now that because Andrew Garfield is so beloved in this, that they want, yes. there's a hashtag that says, make, like, hashtag make the Amazing Spider-Man 3. Like, they yes. want him it back in it because, like, I like, he's, I don't know. I've always thought he was a fan favorite. I've I've said it since the day he started, but I'm glad other people are like speaking on it now because he deserves another. I also, I also love the um like the sort of little quips about how Toby McGuire doesn't need web shooters. Oh and yeah, there's a lot of they're like, does it come out of anywhere else? Okay, that's yeah, that's where the the Marvel writing got me. I was like, God damn it, because Peter <laughs> just goes. So does it come, come out of anywhere oh. else? I'm like, oh come on, man! Like really, like. It got a big laugh. Yeah, no, of course it gets a good laugh, but still, like, oh, we're in the middle, we're about to throw down some hands. Um, shoot some yeah, lead, leading into the last fight. The, I want to get to there, and then like, kind of, where do you think it goes? All this goes from here. Yeah, towards the. Future. I would say the last fight was choreographed phenomenally. Them them landing on the on the head of the Statue of Liberty, like in the trio. Yeah. I, if, I, if I could get that as a computer background, I would. I guarantee that's going to be a tattoo somewhere. And then it worked out perfectly. Like, it, all of the Spider-Men fought their respective villain and, and kind of beat him or saved him. Like, the Sandman is just a human now when he goes back. Yeah, that's, yeah. Electro is just a human when he goes back. Going back to be what? A convicted human when he goes back. They're all, they're all saved. So it turns out, like, good. So, I mean, it was, it was a wonderful. It was insane, too, to see him all, like, webs and everything. I did love when Jamie Foxx was human again and like Andrew Garfield was like talking to him and he was basically trying to say like oh. you have all this power and he was like and he was like going through Queens and he like I just assumed you were black. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> like oh, okay I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> and I'm so shocked they did that. Like a right. I'm so shocked. I thought it was hilarious. Like it was like, perfect. Only, I think Jamie Foxx is the only one that could drop a line like that. And you're like all right yeah, I got yeah. it. That's the humor I love. That, that's the humor you where you acknowledge that type. You acknowledge it. Like it's yeah. funny. You know, I thought, dude, yeah, man, an athletic dude swinging around Brooklyn, Queens. That's true black, man. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I like the whole uh, climax because like, usually those can be like CGI, like mess where it's just like you don't really know what's going on. But I thought they actually did a really good job of like keeping it all kind of contained. And it was really emotionally gratifying. Like, there was like a lot of stuff in the fights that were actually weren't just for like, you know, money shots and stuff like that. They all, everything meant something in that last battle and they all got to have their moment which was good it wasn't yeah, just it was, you know, just one of them they all got to have their moment to shine and kind of be reminded of why you love the original two and why you love tom holland now 
yeah, seeing all three of them together, it's like also like Toby is like if we're I'm assuming everything now in this freaking multiverse is on one like timeline of everything. So Toby is probably like now 35. Andrew is probably like 26, but and then Tom's like 18. So you see like all the different versions of Spider-Man yeah. that like Stan Lee put him as a like a 15-year-old kid. And then, you know, so it's 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 really nice to see the generational thing at the end too. It just it, it was really it's freaking awesome movie, man. It's so damn it. I liked how they incorporated the arc reactor too. I think that was cool to really make that stand out for Jamie Foxx's character. Like, but oh, when, when we were going when we were going back to like ranking the villains, gosh, it really made me realize I would be deathly afraid of Doc Ock. Like that dude can cause some destruction. And then Harry Osborne, man, like that dude needs to be locked in an institution like well, not anymore he's good now he's fine yeah like no, yeah norman osborne and doc ock because they're both mentally unstable too i think that's what makes them really scary like they go yeah. in and out of being like oh like okay he's cool i think he's, he's gonna help us do this like science project and then like just snaps like so like they're just unpredictable i mean that's what makes them kind of interesting as villains in general mm-hmm. i am curious to know where you guys think depending on who you ask as far as like if they're going to be more they're going to be more but Tom Holland has given answers all over the place about what he was. Yeah, say that. And Amy Pascal, who's a producer, has given her original answers, like, oh, we're making three more. And I'm sure someone was like, nah, we haven't agreed to that yet. So she's like dialed back on that. <laughs> um, but they are they have said that the Marvel and Sony like arrangement is gonna stay intact. They're not gonna have people go through what they went through before after Far From Home, where they're like, oh, like parents are breaking up, like it's all gonna stay together. I thought the way the movie ended, it could easily end this trilogy for them. It may not end it on like the best note for people that want to see more of like where they go. But I thought it could, have, it could be like a bittersweet ending that ends there. Or where do you kind of see it going as far as uh, what's next for him and the rest of the characters? Do they incorporate Ned and MJ into future stories? Or does he go on and have other stories with other people? So I will say this. Love is more powerful than magic. It is proven once in every movie, whoever gets mind wiped or something, you know that MJ in her deep in her bones knows who Peter is and, and there's something there. So I would say, yeah, like he got the brand, he got the comic accurate suit. He got the, he got his montage of flinging around the city like every, they all do. I would love, and I think this is, this is like the smart move on, on Disney's part capitalize on into the verse and just give tom like a keaton batman movie where he's, he's the one last mentor and he passes it to miles uh, tom holland kind of wants to do that i think he really wants to miles. need to give it to miles he just like just like jamie fox that's true black like just put him <laughs> in man do it shit that'd be awesome i think so too i mean are there a lot of villains that are written for miles morales or do you think they would be kingpin kingpin Dude, 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 you put you got Denofri. Guarantee you, he's gonna get the next the first twenty minutes of Hawkeye, um, on and on Wednesday, and then you can easily put him into something like that. But Kingpin, yeah, man, dude, and then Craven the Hunter as well. Yeah, yeah um, giving him his own movie too. Yep, yeah. with uh, who's that? Joe Manganiello. No, it's uh, Aaron uh, Tyler Johnson's playing him. The guy who was in Savages. And- oh yeah, right, 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 yeah. Blackbeard, the guy that dude is a savage. I personally need all. Three of them to kind of end up back together. I'm throwing Ned in there too because I'm rooting for the best friend as well. I like the characters are what's important, and I kind of want them to kind of, even though I know they can introduce other characters that Peter can meet and kind of have relationships with, but 
I really think fans would be upset if they don't figure out a way to. Well, also, he doesn't need to have his own movie. He can be in Daredevil's movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he can be on Disney Plus. So, I mean, I, I think. You can have a show with Wong. You don't need, you don't need to, yeah. you don't need to have Tom, Tom can just do 40 minute episodes from now on. Like, that's, if people are happy with that. Why not? Well, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of negotiating of contracts because this movie made a ton of money. It probably will be uh, the first movie of the pandemic to gross a billion dollars globally. Yeah. A lot of money is, uh, I'm sure Sony was cracking bottles of champagne and so was Marvel and Disney and everyone. Tom Holland. <laughs> Laughing to the bank, they probably all have Spider Man. The day is like, I've been like two really big movies this year, like for her. Like, they're all doing very well. And I'm glad that we're all happy with the outcome. I was actually, I think it is the best Spider Man movie. I don't know if I think it's the best MCU movie. I still have Endgame above it a little bit, but maybe I have to see it again. That would maybe like kind of change my mind on that. Uh, so you're you're putting it top five all MCU, yeah, top five, yeah. I probably put it behind in uh, behind in game right now, but maybe if I saw it again, it might change. Uh, yeah, I go top five too, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's very fair. I put Infinity War and Endgame as one movie. I'm sorry, it's just, yeah, I kind of agree because I because thought Infinity War writing in Infinity War is so good. The writing in Endgame is not as good. It drives me nuts because like it's just one movie. So I put that two together. So and then I think I put this too. Yeah, for sure two. And yeah. then debating on from there, I won't go down that rabbit hole. What about you, Owen? Um, I mean, looking back on all the Marvel movies, there's more that I revisit than others. I think it, it's the kind of thing where I wonder where I would watch this again. And I have consistently watched Infinity War and Endgame like all the time. And it's something that feels just, if I want to feel good and like kind of see some superheroes fuck some shit up, then I'm in. This felt more to me like like a conclusion for one character which it is but in the uh, scope of three different actors but I feel like it would take me like as soon as I finished Endgame I was like I want to watch it again I didn't necessarily feel that with this so I, I would definitely put a top five I think it was great um but in in totality like I thought Iron Man original is probably up there before this and like just just some like classic movies that uh i don't know there's just some that are better than others and i think this is top five but i don't think it's above it's still too new for me to say that yeah i mean maybe it does need a rewatch too i mean that's probably why I'm, it, it, it definitely deserves a rewatch but i mean well i gotta hit your brother up Brittany, because he's seen it twice and i'll see what he has to say <laughs> yeah i should have talked to my brother about it and just spewed off all of his opinions instead of mine yeah just like he could have lived vicariously through you yeah <laughs> Um, so we're going to do, we're going to do this a little quick because, um, we, we started the whole back to the blockbuster approved thing with Sandra Bullock a couple weeks ago. We were going to do another one last week, but that's when Owen was sleeping. So we couldn't, we're doing Jared Leto for this one. And I'm going to do it a little differently than going down his whole filmography. I think we all kind of know his filmography and how we feel about him. Um, good or bad. Jack, don't go too long, but since you are the guest, I want you to kind of explain why, if you do like him. And give us some examples as far as performances and stuff, why you think he's good. And if you give him your sample approval or disapproval, I'm already looking at Brittany and I can tell where she's going to go. <laughs> All right. So off the bat, I, I give Jared Leto my stamp of approval. I will say I remember, like, I first like, recognized his greatness in Dallas Buyers Club when I legitimately thought they just cast a woman. Mm-hmm. So, like, to, to have that dedication to do that, 
um, alongside Matthew McConaughey and kind of stand up with him. I mean, that it's incredible. And then I'm not biased in this one, but I like Jared Leto's Joker, which is very controversial in the world. Super controversial. I loved, loved his look. And I actually have a tattoo like of that type of Joker style. So I love that about him. He's just very dedicated and like goes in on his roles. And then you just look at the proof in the pudding of like back in the day, like he was in like a little in like little roles that you didn't notice until like you saw it again. Like Lord of War, he's Yuri. He's Yuri's brother, who's just like this crazy little freaking guy. Or he's the dude who gets killed in Pat in uh, but Badge Bateman knocks him off in uh, American Psycho. He's just been around a long time, and he he can go anywhere and with any role. Like you say, Jared Leto, you're gonna get excited about what he's gonna do with the role. Like look at House of Gucci; he doesn't look like Jared Leto at all. It's one of the better transformations. So. Dedication, range. Um, if you haven't seen the Joker uh, nightmare scene, like go watch that to give yourself a little more credit on him. Um, that's it for right. me. So Jack approves. He brought up some interesting examples that I'm going to use later. Who wants to go next, Brittany or Owen? Who wants to take it? I mean, I I have everything Jack said. I I say the opposite. Oh! <laughs> like literally word for word. Like first of all, I just want to get into the Joker, him playing okay. the Joker. Because he regrets playing that role. Like he full on regrets, like in interviews, he like refuses to talk about the fact that he thinks he was tricked into signing a contract to be the Joker. So he like regrets playing the Joker. It was the riddle. And the fact that he sent condoms and like anal beads to like all of his co-stars. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not approving of that. We're not, we're not approving of that, but. Fucking sick. Okay, yeah, I'm not approving of those <laughs> antics. Okay, just. Not and approving of those, but I, if we're, we're going to call out this Joker, I really have, no, I'm not, I'm going to keep it. He called himself the first, okay, well, he called himself out. He said that he regrets playing that role, that he was tricked into Marco, it. I'll be alive. I, I, You're not tricked into playing any role that you ever play. Like, I, you sign a contract, you go through processes. He's tricked into playing a pawn in that, in that horrible cut-up Suicide Squad movie where apparently there's 48 minutes of footage that they could have used. He's a grown-ass man. He knew the contract he was signing. He knew what he's signing up for. And in the cut, You don't have control over the cut. In I the thought you were planet. done, Jack. I, you riled me up. You riled me up. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> So anyway, um, I was trying to find a paper that I wrote because he played in Mr. Nobody and I wrote a paper on it and I can't find it. But that's the only movie that I actually do like of his. (laughs) I just think Hasaguchi was so bad. Like the movie was good, but his character was a caricature. Like it was laughable. He was like Mario mixed with like Christopher Walken. And it was like so hard to watch. Like it was so bad. Lady Gaga was the only good part about that movie. And Adam Driver. Trying to think what else I had about him. His music sucks. <laughs> His music sucks. 30 seconds. He does not get my stamp of approval, like, at all. He just, like, he's in 30 Seconds to Mars. Yeah, yeah he's the of his 30 Seconds to Mars. Him and his brother. Brittany does shot him down. Shot him down. Uh, That's what I've just heard, and he has a lot of blinds about him, too, like, on set, just being, like, a total fucking diva and just like not being nice to anyone and and just writing it off as him playing character where he's like oh I'm not nice like in person with crew because I'm acting as my character like okay what was your excuse in fight club you played like you had four lines in that movie like <laughs> you had no right to be a yeah, dick another, to another great another great appearance from the guy right there he's angel face baby they could have had anyone play that role and it would have been the same. He doesn't contribute anything I, to that I, role. I'm, I'm just still annoyed that you just. <sighs> <laughs> Owen, you're up. 
on your own. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess I'm done. Nope. <laughs> well. No, I'm done. <laughs> I think that Jared Leto's earlier stuff was fantastic. I think his cameo roles, not even necessarily cameo roles, because it was, it was just like smaller parts like American Psycho and Fight Club. He wasn't the center of attention. And so he was able to really be a part of a movie and contribute something that was like perfect. And then Dallas Buyers Club happened and he was absolutely amazing in that. I think that that deserves, he deserved the Oscar that he won for that, for sure. Um, but I think after that, he started taking himself a little too seriously. And when he became in the spotlight, I think he starts trying way harder than it necessarily needs to. And it's obvious on screen. And so I think that sometimes I can see him trying to be this character, but he's trying so hard that as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, dude, you're an actor. I can tell you're acting right now. When, when he had these smaller little parts, he was able to, I, I wouldn't say necessarily blend in the background because he did stand out. But when he's the center of attention, I'm excited to see how he's going to be for Morbius because he is the lead for that. And it does look pretty chilling and pretty cool. Um, so I'm interested to see how that's going to work. But I just think anytime he's been the center of attention after he won the Oscar, he's been kind of a nightmare. He's amazing in Blade Runner 2049. I forgot to mention that was one of my favorite, more better parts that he's played. So you're, so you're with, you're with Brittany? I, I'm going to sit my ass right on the fence. <laughs> you can't do that. You have to Because I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the same boat as you, but I'm it's gonna very uncomfortable, fence. and I'm gonna sit there. You gonna sit on the fence? Yep. Picket fence, fine. You don't know if you don't know if you okay. It's a it's a chain link barbed wire. Barbed wire. It hurts. It hurts to like him. It's the lean to one side or the other. Yep. Exactly. Um, Either way, I'm like. No, I, I hope it not. does, Owen. I hope it does hurt to sit it there. Hurts. It hurts. <laughs> Oh, it scratches your ass. <laughs> um, I liked a lot of his early stuff. Like I, like I love Requiem for a Dream. I think that's a great movie. And he's been in it. Uh, I like Panic Room, Fight Club. Everyone's mentioned that. Dallas Buyers Club, he was great. I have an issue sometimes with people who talk about being method actors as if that I kind of agree with Brittany as it, it gives them an excuse to like behave yeah. a certain way on the Suicide Squad thing is questionable right because there's like a lot of proof that like a lot of his stuff was cut and like it's hard for me to like judge that performance because warner brothers chopped the shit out of it and like it's not it's i can't really like judge him on that but it's hard for me not to like pay attention to some of his antics when it comes to the roles he chooses like we, we were talking when we talked about house gucci like a couple weeks ago he told really scott the only reason the only way he would do the movie is if he could like basically do whatever he wanted and what he ended up doing feels like he's in a completely different movie from everyone else like he it just like it's it's it comes off more goofy than good and i kind of agree with owen like the stuff that he's done lately uh it just doesn't kind of live up to like a lot of the kind of early promise that he had i'm not gonna okay it sucks i'm not gonna sit on the fence i'm gonna and this is a slight me tipping over the fence i'm slightly disapproving of him only because of the recent stuff that he's done. Like, it's, it's more like, I'm not a fan of anyone who is like a method actor. It always rubs me the wrong way. Cause you hear stories about how they act on set. I mean, I guess certain people can get away with it, right? Like Meryl Streep talked about how she was method on the Devil Wears Prada. Like she didn't really get to know Anne Hathaway until after they wrapped that movie. Cause she really felt like she couldn't become nice to her cause she wanted the performance to work. I, I mean, I guess certain people can get away with it. She's Meryl Streep. I don't think Jared Leto needs to get method on every single thing that he does now. 
and it kind of takes away like the it takes something away from the movie for me where it's just like i want to pay attention to how good the directing is and the writing and all that stuff and here he is sticking out like a sore thumb just like looked at me acting <laughs> and that's what and that's what it kind of comes off as i do like i said i do like his early stuff i thought he was great in dallas fire club i know he deserved that oscar it's just the latest stuff is not i i can't really you guys, you guys didn't like him in the little things i can't just so i you know i actually like that movie but it was again the same issue i had where it felt like he it's just the method i just don't like it's just like i can just tell that he's just trying so hard to like he he also like he's also one of those kind of guys and i think maybe this is why he triggers me but he's like the kind of guy that like i went to film school with who like loves film so much he's like such an altruistic person that he like studies film so hard that he tries too hard to be that actor he be because text- he loves film so much he tries to be the textbook yeah yeah oh i will say one thing on method acting we'll get out of there on that on the topic uh brian cox from um succession he made a comment because jeremy irons the other other main character he's yeah. a full-on method actor and his character is just a big old baby like a big cry baby and brian cox like in interviews is like that's not acting like that's that's literally losing yourself for months on end in a headspace acting is turning it on and off like classically trained acting like mm-hmm. like they do like british like all those british motherfuckers actors <laughs> they're just trained yeah they yeah. know they turn it on and off christian bale is christian bale as soon as the light uh, as soon as the camera turns off yeah. so that's all he awesome. his body but not his like mind yeah like he's still like but imagining that i don't want to see him as dick cheney just talking like christian bale so we got so we got two disapprovals one straddling the fence scratching his butt and then one approval yep. from our guest <laughs> but it's good for you standing your ground though i mean i mean i can see why someone would like him and think he's like because, like I said, his early stuff, I really do enjoy it. Just, I just can't. No, and I, all, the, all of your points are valid. His, his, some of his answers are is absolutely just like, stop. But, like, for me, his Joker is just so interesting to me. I won't, we're not going to get into this. Nope. Uh-uh. I know. Yeah. Um, so we have to wrap up soon. But uh, since this episode will come out on Christmas Eve, we're just going to, like, rapid fire. We're going to give two Christmas movies that you must at least try to watch on the day or leading up to the day that are like your go-to choices. And we did this League of Cinephiles thing yesterday for another group. My number one, everyone shit on, cause they were like, oh, everyone like loves that. Like pick something else that's unique. And I was like, don't shit on my movie, man. But uh, we'll let uh, Jack go first. You can start okay. with your second so and first. And then like, what do you like have to watch during the holiday season? Cut, you're cutting me off at the ankles with this too. Cause I had a, th- I had a third one that was actually gonna be a really good one. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do the third one just because so growing up in the Northeast, uh, Christmas means winter time and snow time to me. And oh, and you probably wouldn't have had a snow day or so if you had a snow day, like those days are magical. Mm-hmm. And on TV this week was Snow Day by the Nickelodeon Studios. With oh, all- it's great. It was, <laughs> and I, I stopped what I was doing and I watched the whole entire thing with commercials and it was just like, oh my God, this is one of the best winter. The flavored snowballs that they have. Oh snowballs, the, the whole entire mix up with the, the thing. And then obviously like the rom-com of like the two best friends obviously love each other at the end of the And the snowplow man, it was an all time holiday movie. Like it gets the parents perspective, like, fuck, I'm with these kids trapped inside for a day when I should be going to work all time. Like you should rewatch that because it's very, it's Nickelodeon Studios. No one knows what they do anymore. Um, and then number two, Home Alone, number one. I mean, 20 years down the line, I, anytime I hear the word Kevin, I, in my head, it's just there's an exclamation point at the end of it. Uh, and then... Owen kind of looks like Kevin right now. 
<laughs> with your hat on. <laughs> it's like when he's going out to go get uh, groceries from the store. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really a big Christmas movie guy. So like I'm thinking right now, like I'm going back to my childhood days right now. It's a Disney Channel movie that I can't remember. It's like old school Disney Channel movie. With the snow I, machine? Yes. With like, yeah, they have this, that movie. I, while you guys go through, I'm going to find it, but I'll come back to it. it. That's my favorite movie. It just, it kind of captivates like 12 year old me sitting at the, on the living room floor with the tree and knowing that the Christmas, like the presents are coming in like two hours from the closet, not the chimney. <laughs> What's yours? Me? Um, okay. Well, I have my top two. The ultimate Christmas present. The ult- Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. That was a good, that was an OG Disney movie. So my top two, so I am Jewish. I, <laughs> but I do like Christmas movies, but one of my favorites that my friends and I just reminds me of when I was little, like snow days and stuff, my friends and I would watch this movie over and over again, eight crazy night because <laughs> the soundtrack was like, so good and we would just go around singing the songs one of my best friends angie we like every time i'm back home we play that soundtrack in the car and we just like drive around in the winter and just like listen to that soundtrack it's so good (laughs) my number one is probably christmas vacation that's a classic one i know i thought it might be on you guys's list too but it makes me laugh it's the most quotable movie too it's it's so funny it's in my top five i don't know if i would put it like top two but like it's in my top five i've already watched it once this season i'll probably watch it again nice all right Owen, what's your what, what do you have to watch um for me number two definitely i've already said it before muppet christmas carol man that's the best oh, yeah. Christmas yeah. i knew you were gonna year. say that one love it last year I was um, like, and then <laughs> number one is my mom's favorite christmas movie that i have loved and i've watched multiple times each year is the original grinch man the cartoon that dude's a genius on stealing toys and seemed like he had some fun doing it so it was really cool to i just love that movie it's short it's quick his heart grows three times the size and then he carves the roast beast man it's a good one <laughs> love it this fluctuates but i i number two and I, i'm going to i'm going to get shit for this because i picked the holiday before but number two uh love actually i watch every year now because actually yeah i love love i love love actually <laughs> i love it too i know i just i just out of all the movies not the one i was expecting you to put down all right very I'm, well written it's, it's, here it's really well done and the you know the british actually got that right we try we try to do that kind of movie here with valentine's day and new year's eve and we failed miserably so they clearly do the multiple uh, story arc romantic comedy better than we do uh and it just it just feels like christmas when you watch it too i mean that's kind of where I like it a lot. And then I am gonna be cliche and like Home Alone. I watch Home Alone multiple times leading up to Christmas Day. I just since I grew up with it, it's just like a big part of my life. It continues to be. Also, we talk about movies that are generational. I think even kids like now will see see that movie and find something to like love about it. It kind of has a timeless quality to it. And like even though like I don't think Home Alone 2 is as good because it feels like it's the same movie, like kind of rehash. And that also kind of gets the Christmas vibe, right? Especially with the New York setting and stuff. But yeah, it's not quite Christmas without Home Alone, I think. It works. And Eight Crazy Nights. And Eight Crazy Nights, if you're Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta throw in a Hanukkah movie. <laughs> throw in a Hanukkah movie. But yeah, this was fun, guys. Jack, yeah. thank you for coming on, by the way. Thanks, Jack. Guest number two, first solo guest. Yeah, first solo guest, yeah. And uh, also talking about sex in the city, because you contributed to that conversation role as well. I tried to stay. That is just a dangerous, dangerous one to come on. <laughs> first, first thing we talk about is, is a Me Too movement thing. 
Woo! I can't leave with Spider-Man and then talk about that. So I was like, let's just get that out of the way and then go into the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let Owen uh, sign us off. Yeah, guys, um, this has been a great time. I'm sorry I missed last week. I'm good to be back. I always love talking to you guys on uh, Monday nights. And Jack, good to have you. Um, and as always, we are a playlist original. You can find us anywhere that we do podcasts. Anyone anywhere that you want to listen to a podcast, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you want to see me in my Home Alone look, you can check us out on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel as well. And uh, as always, Brittany's dog makes an appearance. So if you want to watch a cute dog while we talk about Spider-Man, please check us out. Um, so really appreciate you guys being here. I can't wait for next week and merry christmas guys merry christmas merry christmas guys happy new year stay safe thank you guys